All right, I'm Jack Donovan, and this is PH2T3R, Pater. And I'm here today to talk about fatherhood, but I actually don't talk about fatherhood. I can talk about the, the concept of fatherhood, um, you know, what it means in a big, big picture, but I don't have any kids. So I, I try not to talk about the nuts and bolts in fatherhood, but uh, I'm here with three members of the Order of Fire, and uh, they all are fathers. And uh, so we're going to talk about fatherhood today because it's a really important subject that they can you know, kind of bounce ideas back and forth. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys are actually, you know, have new kids, uh, you know, are trying to figure this out for themselves. And, you know, there's no really good guidebook for today. So it's good to actually get feedback from other dads as well. So I guess I, I guess I should start out by introducing you guys, right? That, that, that would make sense. Uh, Austin, if you, if you don't know, uh, wrote a book called Solar Sun. And it's fantastic. I, I was trying to find, I thought I had a hard copy of it today that I was going to hold up, but I realized that when I actually first encountered it for real was when it was Paul's reading of it. And I sat and listened to Paul read it like the first time. And I'm like, this is amazing. This is exactly what this, this book is exactly what it should be. Uh, and, and so it was really fantastic. So it was Paul's reading of it, uh, which you guys can find on Instagram. Um, I believe through, you know, their site, and we can put a link up as well. But uh, can you show us the book there? I think you were holding it up, weren't you? Yeah, I got it right here. If I can get it right. There you go. go. There you go. So, all right. So I guess I'm going to start off with, with Austin. So that's Austin. He's the, uh, the uh, author of Solar Sun. And uh, then uh, we have Mr. Josh Wood from, from lovely Tasmania. Uh, <laughs> coach Josh Wood, who's, uh, you know, you can find him on Instagram and a whole bunch of other places. We'll put some links up as, there as well. And he's a, he's a, he's a trainer and among many other things. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously also a dad. And, uh, then we also have, uh, Chris Robertson, a, uh, our philosopher electrician, uh, who, who has, you know, all kinds of interesting things to say about, uh, all kinds of different things all the time. Uh, I don't, I think it's cause you look, listen to so many podcasts and stuff while you're driving to work and working. Cause I'm like, how is he thinking about all this stuff all the time? Uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I, I imagine you have some like time where you can listen to stuff all, all, all day. So you're always coming up with new ideas. Uh, but he's obviously also a father. So I, um, I just wanted to get it started with that. So why don't we start off with you, Austin? Uh, what you know, well, obviously what got you started writing, he said, Hey, I want to write a children's book. Uh, cause that's, that's, that's something <laughs> by itself. That's a tricky thing to do. Yeah. It's definitely was never on my bucket list. Um, I started messing around with the AI art and, uh, decided I wanted to kind of put a story to that. And I really liked your article, uh, stay solar, all about the solar idealism thing. And I was like, Hey, this would be a really cool thing to teach my kids. How could we, you know, turn this into a concept that they can understand and just through meshing you know, a story between a boy and his dad talking about solar idealism, you know, with the AI art, all of a sudden, you know, I got a children's book out of it. So turned out pretty cool. That's fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit about the the, the story arc? I mean, I don't think you're going to ruin it because we're not a not kids, so yeah. we're not the intended audience. So I'm like, <laughs> hey, can you tell us exactly what, kind of what happens in the, in the in the story? Yeah. So the main story, it's about this boy and he's going on a hike with his dad and he's pretty little. Uh, probably, you know, if I had to guess six or seven ish, but you know, he's doing these things like, you know, he gets out of the truck and it's cold and dark outside and his, his dad's giving him, 
you know, warmth and light. And, you know, then as he's hiking, you know, he's noticing all these things about the world around him and how the sun's affecting him. And, you know, his dad's giving him advice along the way. And then eventually they reach the camp that they're getting to where their grandfather's waiting for them. And they kind of have a moment around the campfire and just kind of talk about, you know, some of the symbolism of the fire and, you know, how they create that world for themselves, you know, in the, in the chaos and darkness. And uh, then the grandpa gives him some knowledge of his own and kind of, you know, shows the legacy between grandpa to dad to son and, you know, ends with the boy dreaming about eagles. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I love the, the, every, the way that you put all the subjects together and made them flow and, and, you know, into something simple that people would actually do, you know, people would actually take their son on a hike to go start a fire with grandpa. Right. It, it may, it's very accessible and, and, and very real. So really cool book. Anyone who's, uh, you know, obviously, uh, has kids and they're interested in, uh, you know, some of the subjects that we talk about, uh, staying solar or any of that, uh, you can, you know, definitely check out uh, the book solar sun and uh it's i think it's well worth it i, th I think uh, both you guys have have it uh, at your houses as well right yep yeah uh, you were saying that your 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 son actually requests it on a regular yeah. basis i believe yeah he's recently just really read it to him a few times so he's two and a half and now he'll come up to me like he i'm, I'm data so data read solar sun we read solar sun Sure, bud. We could read Solar Sun. It's the cutest thing in the world. That's fantastic. That's awesome. That's really cool. And he's learning lessons from it because the other day in the car, he was digging in his ear. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, getting earwax. I'm like, oh, what's that for? He's like, protect against soaring eagles. And the sun is a ball of gas. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, buddy. <laughs> Straight from the book. <laughs> Iraq, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> He'll go far. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he will. He will. Smart kid. Very cool. Very cool. So anyway, let's uh, get into a discussion on 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 fatherhood, and I'm just going to let you guys uh, run with it. Um, I, I, this was a good question to start with. Like, how, how would you say each of you like? Uh, how would you say that fatherhood has changed you? Oh boy. How hasn't it? <laughs> sort of my my thoughts as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it it re it sort of reorients your priorities in in a lot of ways. You had an idea of what you wanted to do with your life as a single guy, and that was you know is at least tacitly for a lot of people it was for me anyways as an individual. And then once you don't just have a, a spouse but also kids suddenly you um you know you have to think in terms of their interests because they're they're literally your your legacy and um and you have responsibilities if you don't change their diaper if you don't feed them they don't feed themselves um and it actually pulls you out of your own thinking fairly regularly yeah i'd have to say along those same lines the biggest thing it does is contextualizes everything else. Like until you have something that, that, that is that important in your life, uh, you haven't really discovered things like, like duty and the, the powerful responsibility that you have 
for another life that you created. Like it's just the context that it gives everything, like everything you do that the time you spend on it has to be worth it because you've got a tiny living thing that's dependent on it. How about you, Austin? You know, I was just going to say, you know, for me, I think back on all the things my dad told me. And as a kid, you have no clue why he's telling you these certain things or, or why things have to be a certain way. And all of a sudden you're a dad and you're telling your kid all those same things because like you said, you're, you're now responsible for this, this being and trying to get it, you know, to launch, you know, get them out of the nest. And all those things that you were told growing up now all of a sudden make sense. And yeah, you know, it's, it's like crap. Dad was right. You know? Yeah. And it's funny how it's never believed at the time that you hear it. Right. There's a, there's a whole category of speeches and, and, and phrases, you know, the line, like they grow up so fast comes to mind that say it all the time as a kid you hear that as a teenager even your early 20s you hear that and you're like that's such a trite platitude that doesn't mean anything it's just something people say to pass the time and then you actually experience it and you're like i get it i didn't get it before i see what they were talking about and you want to pass that on to the young people and there's they're not going to believe it <laughs> it's a circle but but I do think it's still worth saying because they'll have that moment where they recognize it later, you know, even if they don't get it the first time. So yeah, and I is, definitely everything think everything does. Absolutely, I, d I definitely think that you know I, there's so many things that happen, and I'm like someday they're going to realize how hard this was as a parent for me to pull off for them, or for me and my wife to pull off so that they could have the life that they have. But they're not going to know until they have kids of their own and they're like oh man like this was hard i'm really grateful mom and dad did this yeah yeah that's kind of the full circle of things though isn't it like it how many thousands or hundreds of millions of times has this exact conversation happened <laughs> like how many dads across time have been like oh my parents weren't idiots oh they do grow up so fast <laughs> yeah right and there's no other way to say it than that no yeah. there isn't you can try but um yeah and it's it is interesting also you know once you become a father it reminds you of you know views you had of your father that you had as a kid but that you'd kind of forgotten about like it didn't it didn't really occur to me until i had kids of my own and, you know, I get home from work and I hear my wife telling the kids, oh, daddy got up really early so he could go to work and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it occurred to me just how much I had admired my father for waking up at 430 in the morning every day when I was a kid. You know, um, it seemed superhuman to a child who had a hard time waking up before seven, you know, um, partially because kids need more sleep, but, but still it, it feels um, incredible and something aspirational, this, this larger than life person who's able to do these things. And um, it, uh, it gets relegated to somewhere in the back of, in the back of the mind, I guess. And being around kids sort of brings it back to the, to the forefront again. For sure. And I'd say from my experience too, that, that, that idea that sort of 
looking up to and admiring your dad, your father, uh, and then kind of remembering about that now that we're adults with their own kids, it, it makes me want to live up to that, to to earn that that little bit of hero worship that your your kids have, and like they're gonna do it anyway. But I want to look back and say, oh, maybe I earned it a little bit. Yeah. So, so here's things. an exercise that you know I've thought about often is trying to remember the earliest moment of my, my dad and how old he was and then where I'm at today in relation to that. You know what I mean? Like I go back to like, you know, like six, seven years old and I'm like, oh my gosh, like my dad was in his thirties and that's where I was at just a little bit ago. And then trying to remember like what that was like. And now I'm living the same thing that he just did. Yeah. That's a fun one. I'm yeah. older than my parents were. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is odd to be a, like it's one thing to be a parent and you have this, you know, living potato that needs its diapers changed approximately every 30 seconds. But it's something else when you're realizing, oh, gosh, they're at the age or even beyond the age that I can remember my first memories. So they're going to remember the things that I'm doing for the rest of their life. It's a very it's a that realization itself is kind of reorienting. You know, well, it's in interesting a very powerful way it, it is and it's interesting to to use that sort of as a measure of time like you can kind of measure the history of humans in how many people have had that exact experience you know how many times has that happened since the beginning of humans yeah. like it just generations kind of, yeah that's it it just it always just makes me think it's kind of like being around mountains or huge trees or the ocean that kind of Again, context, like understanding you're just this blip, but, you know, mm -hmm. you got to do what you can as that blip for the other little blips around you. Yeah, there are some fun writers who will use instead of years or seasons or moons, uh, they'll use generations. I think J.R. Tolkien does this, you know, so so many generations of men had passed before such and such new event came along. And, um, you, you know, it is interesting as you get older to see your your time horizons expand and think instead of years in terms of generations um and certainly you know fatherhood isn't the only way to do that there are people who um you know write books or compete in certain events that are trying to define an era or to to have an impact in that way but fatherhood sort of drags you into that whether you want to or not um and brings you into that kind of time space. Yeah, I've definitely become more aware of time. And it's it kind of comes back to they grow up so fast. You know, like every time I said, I'm like, oh, shit, when did I say that last? Like a week ago. He's already taller. He's already got new words. He's already causing more chaos. And it just happens so quick. And then it kind of it's like yesterday he was this big. Now he's this big. Just messes your whole sense of time up, but then also makes it all the more important and relevant exactly yeah our one-year-old has just uh just today in fact we realized she has a thing for wearing shoes inside and it, like just like a month ago you didn't think of you don't think of a one-year-old as even really having oh my wife does as having a personality but at the moment that they express very clear preferences for that drink not that and i want to wear shoes and then just lounge around in their shoes it's like it, the, the change becomes a, a an um you know 
unavoidable um you have to notice this in your life it it imposes itself on your experience in a way that um that sort of keeps you in the physical world in a way that i think is valuable in this more digital age we say on a podcast but uh you know still i say yeah, my two-year-old sure. started swearing a couple months ago i'm like ah, that's a little too much personality turn that turn that down a little bit <laughs> i don't know where she learns that shit from but, <laughs> they, they learn everything they listen to everything they they take it in you just say something under your breath and three weeks later mm-hmm. it's gonna come back at you They're just oh, yeah. sponges yeah but but some of it seems to be innate as well um my wife and i experienced experimented with a a, a discipline technique because we're not like we're not totally averse to spanking but it's easy to overdo and i was like what if i threaten the kids if they do something wrong i'll spank their mother and it was it it sounded extremely clever at the time and we actually followed through with it and it turned out to be a horrible idea it was a terrible idea daughter four-year-old daughter thought it was kind of weird funny like oh that's so um two-year-old son violently enraged he has such a strong sense of justice he came over and like attacked me in defense of his mother which you're kind of like, wow, come on, kid, like you're two. I'm, you know, 32. It's not going to work out for you. But it's it's admirable as well. And you're like, what a great little kid for standing up for his mother like that in the face of injustice. Mom is being punished. So he thinks <laughs> for something that, you know, he did. Um, it was very it was actually kind of touching, but we didn't I don't think we taught him that. In any ways. It just sort of emerged spontaneously. So we don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Lesson learned, huh? Just recreationally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not in front of the kids. <laughs> oh, boy. That's an interesting one. That's interesting. Uh, so I, I guess uh, I, I thought this was an interesting question that somebody came up with was because uh, we kind of pulled uh, some guys from the group originally. And uh, – I do think this is something that you encounter and especially with how, um, I mean, this is something I would wonder, frankly, like, I mean, it's with how kind of messed up things are right now. Um, you know, like there are certain people who would be like, would say like, Oh, how can you bring a kid into the world? Blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, and that's for whatever reasons they have. And then even like for the rest of us who are just like, well, things are really weird right now. And like, ah, you know, like, like there's a lot of confusion about the future. I mean, what do, what do you guys think about that? Because you have to take on a different mindset than I do. Like, like my, my mindset can go to a different place. And, but you're like, well, I have these kids that I don't want to die and that, I, that, that have, have to have a future and I have to give them a vision and a, and a dream for the future. How do you, like, how are you processing all that and how do you process that, that decision? You have to be an apocalyptimist. I think that's what that's called. Like, <laughs> like no matter what's coming, like, you know, you're you're gonna make it work. Doesn't matter. And you got to show them as a dad down. that yeah, as a dad, like, you got to show them that life's gonna prevail no matter what. Yeah. Well, and and what's considered optimistic changes a lot based on what your ideal of a good life is, right? There are uh, 
probably tens of millions of people in America whose dream is that it all comes crumbling down. Like that's their best case scenario. Mm -hmm. The idea that it would carry on in this way with approximately this level of employment and crime and so forth is like that, that that's what they're dreading. That's what they don't want their kids to experience. And they mm -hmm. take their kids out into the mountains to get them away from that. Um, so, you know, what your ideal of the good life is, is going to shape whether it's responsible or not to bring a kid into this world. Um, but as, as far as hope goes, you read, pick a century in history and you can find horrors beyond the comprehension of your average college liberal, as far as what they would experience, um, you know, reading about, um, just recently the black plague, that's pretty brutal as this may be un unbeatable in terms of like act of god um wiping out huge portions of the population you read a little bit about the chinese civil wars that dominated most of their history our century is pretty if, if you're looking for peace and prosperity and stability our century might be one of the best on record so far <laughs> We'll, we'll so things still have time. <laughs> yeah. Early days. We, I would we, say we like the last 50 years was pretty solid. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we still have know. plenty of time to get back to historical normals. <laughs> um, but I mean, then we're in normal, you know. Yeah. So yeah. where is this expectation of, you know, eternal progress and peace coming from? And what does that have to do with responsibility? And also responsible to whom is an important question. It's a good point. I um I've had a lot of uh, interactions with those on the more hippie side of the spectrum due to working as a wilderness guide and getting all the eco hippies and then being in health sciences, getting all the health hippies. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, it, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> we all have our challenges. Uh, and it's one of those things where it's usually young people in their late teens, early 20s. They're like, I can never bring a child into this world. Oh my God, the way things are. And I think exactly what Chris said, you know, have you ever opened a history book? But also, you know, it's like, I say, well, what do you want the future to look like? And it's always something better. It's like, well, how are you going to invest or change the future by copping out? Like you're taking the coward's route. And I think of this as, you know, it's the idiocracy principle. If you don't create things like children who are better than you and better than their predecessors who can go into the future and change the future. All the people who are not going to put in that effort are going to keep producing offspring that are going to change the future to what they're going to change it to. You know, it's, it's idiocracy. It's real. Uh, and so if you want to change the future, you have to invest in the future. That means having kids, raising them well, teaching them, things like critical thinking and how to be resilient be good people and look after the world around them and their friends and their family. And you have to invest in that. And if you don't, you don't get to say in the future. Yeah. And a lot of those, those the women, especially, but some of the men too are just rationalizing. Like I was, I was out um, a couple of years ago, wing manning for my brother-in-law at a bar. And, um, I, there was this woman we're sitting next to and she was talking about how um 
how she she didn't have any kids and she didn't want any kids and i at some point brought my like wedding ring hand onto the table and i said oh yeah you know some people i've got four there two kids at the time and they're like they're great they're awesome and she changed her mind on how much she wanted kids in 30 seconds flat she's like oh yeah kids are so great um and it's like it was very you know and my wife knew a number of people in when she was growing up who were in sort of the the she calls it the lesbian cult in the girl scouts sort of an open secret in that world and many of them who were avowed lesbians in their late teens are now that they're in their late 20s married with two or three kids or four kids or something with a guy that they absolutely adore and it's like the, the so many of the people who have this i couldn't bring kids into this world uh just haven't met someone that they could imagine bringing kids into the world with it's a good point 100 percent. Def- yeah there's definitely something to that like when you find the person like it's just like i don't know biology k- kicks in takes over and it's like okay this is what we're supposed to do this is kind of what we evolved to do isn't it you know you you're basically having to fight that all your life until you're like oh i can't do that anymore and you you find that person or whatever situation you find yourself in and you're like oh this is kind of what we were made to do isn't it yeah my mother-in-law i won't go into too much detail to preserve her privacy but she's a teacher and she, she gets, no higher level. Um, my, she was getting questioned by a, an uppity student who thought she knew a lot. And the student said, well, you know, society teaches people, you know, women that we need to have all these kids and stuff. And my mother-in-law said, no, no, no. Biology tells you that you need to have all these kids. Society tells you, you don't. And it, it totally inverted her like, pseudo red pill the conspiracy theory from you know feminist stuff the key society tells us to do this it's like no th- this is what every other organism does this is what your body tells you to do and only now have we had these theories that uh, are now arguing the other way that's well, pretty kind of the same with <laughs> yeah it's, it's the same with masculinity too right like it you know the tactical virtues strength it's not needed to get through modern society. You know, society doesn't need it. You have to choose it. You have to work for it. If you want the world that you want, you want to see the future be different than the now. Exactly. And, and as with the female stuff, society tells you, you don't need to be strong and some ways incentivizes that, but your biology still tells you, you want to be strong. Hmm. It does. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the people who are saying those kind of things a lot of times, what they're being taught is that human nature isn't real. And that's that whole blank slate thing that like, you know, that's that really it kind of comes out of Marxism. But that's a different topic that we all know about. Yeah. <laughs> well, but but it is worth bringing up because the question about responsibility is often mm-hmm. framed in terms of environmental stuff. Right. And they'll say it's not just it's not just how can you bring kids into this world of suffering, which is like a very old kind of theological thing. But like. How could you do damage to the environment by multiplying the number of kids? And it's it is worth asking, like, who are you trying to be responsible to? Who who is your loyalty to? Is it the earth? You have responsibility, loyalty to the earth, do you? 
or or is are you being influenced by something else when you dig down to where should your responsibilities lie to whom specifically um there's no deeper bedrock than your family and specifically the responsibility you have to the people who brought you into this world which are your parents and I, I can't I can't see an argument where some external loyalty outside of that trumps that uh, responsibility and burden and purpose as as something worthwhile to do. No, absolutely. I think I think a lot of people. I mean, I I, I don't really pay attention to those people as as having like a real argument or souls. But uh, <laughs> it's, my, my, I, honestly, you know, just as an outsider, I mean, obviously this is not on the table for me anyway, so it's not really a big uh, concern. But, uh, you know, what I would think of is more the idiocracy argument uh, that, yeah, that, that uh, Josh brought up is that, you know, as the person who feels responsible, like I think that kids should have this, 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 and this, and how how am I going to get those things? I think is more what I think a lot of people, because, you know, if you're like, you know, we need to save the world and all that, that's a different like mindset. They aren't listening to this podcast. <laughs> you know, like they, they hate us. Uh, but, uh, you know, like if you're, if you're, if you're a guy who like, you know, is just who wants to be responsible as far as like a, a responsible father, you know, like, like I want to do the right things, you know, uh, in the terms of, I think, you know, maybe now a lot of people are like college education is, you know, kind of bullshit and overrated for most people and all that. But, uh, you know, a while ago, I mean, when I was growing up, it was like, how are you going to pay for these kids college? <laughs> you know, like that was what a lot of people were thinking, you know, like, like how, how could you possibly pay for like, whatever, like, I mean, when I went to school, I mean, I think I left with like them in trade school. Yeah. Well, no, for sure. I mean, that's the correct answer yet. But, uh, you know, like a lot of people, you know, like I think when I went to college, I think like I left with like $12,000 of debt, but like, cause that was in the nineties. But then, like you know, jump forward fifteen years, and people are like one hundred and twenty thousand dollars of debt, or what you know, like just insane amounts that seem insurmountable, you know. And so, like I think a lot of people get that was the idiocracy argument was like you know, like the nice, the smart people were thinking like we can't possibly afford children because there are so many like responsibilities, and then they you know like Flo and and Jimmy Bob down you know are like. Are, are throwing down as they're throwing beer bottles at each other and, and making babies right and left, you know? So that, I think that that's what probably a lot of people would also think about it, rather than, you know, the responsibility to, to Gaia or whatever, yeah. you know? Well, and, and there's also, if you're, if you're a particularly thematic man, mm-hmm. it might be worth remembering like where, if you feel some patriotic duty, it is worth remembering that, um, you know, Islam is expanding by having lots and lots and lots of kids. And, you know, no matter how many wars we may or may not win uh, or, or not, perhaps likely, um, you know, it, winning would be meaningless if you just if we just demographically disappear culturally, you know, culture is passed on through through family. That's why we still speak English um, in many cases. And and um, you know, the best way to preserve what you like in your culture is to preserve the future of that, which I think is something Josh was bringing up before as well. Yeah, I mean, that's it. We we pass on traditions. We passed on history and stories and ways of being. 
I think those connections are most strong in in families. Like you can say join a cult and pick up a uh, tradition there, or you can join a religion or whatever it is. Um, but the things that you were raised with, especially through your developmental years, you never forget them. Like I was raised in a highly Christian Midwest household, you know, and it's like those lessons and those Sunday schools and Bible teachings and studies. I remember most of them and I haven't touched that stuff in 20 years, but you know, it's always there. That's the stuff I learned when I was growing up and it doesn't change. No, for sure. I mean, you get, and it also, for better or worse, depending on who's doing the raising, it also does form the character of the people more than you think. As far as they might turn and believe something different, they might do a thing, but like the actual, their behavior, I think is one of the things that doesn't go away. Like, like, you know, my parents' son in many, I'm, I always joke that I'm a stupid rule following hobbit. Uh, Cause I was raised by like, you know, like I, 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 I turn signal in parking lots. I can't I, like, they're like, well, that's the way you're supposed that's to do it. That's just good etiquette. <laughs> that's the way you're supposed to do it. You know, like, like that's how I was raised. You know, like, you know, you pay all your bills on time and you do the, like all the things that you'd be, you know, uh, that's just my parents, you know, like that's all the stuff that comes from him. And it's not like, obviously they didn't create that me, like, <laughs> like they couldn't possibly have like, tried to create this version of whoever I became, but like all the base stuff, all the baseline stuff is always there. I think with everybody, you know, it's like, you know, like just behavior, like being polite to people and like, oh, I've still been in a relationship for a really long time. Cause our family doesn't monogamy pretty well. And you know, like just little things like that, you know, like uh, that you've modeled after your parents. Yeah. It's funny how that is sort of seeing those similarities, despite all the, you know, religious or ideological differences sort of reveals how how little of your character those beliefs actually comprise. Like you are so much more than just your beliefs or your, you know, political opinions. Um, although it's easy to get into that mindset in your in your 20s and, you know, seeing kids who have no beliefs whatsoever. Um, about grander things anyways, but have very, very distinctive personalities um, is, is sort of a point of, of sanity almost. Uh, and it brings you back down to, oh yeah, there's a lot more um, to not, not just to other people, but to myself than, than whatever differences of opinion we might have. No, interesting. So what do you guys think, are some of the most the biggest surprises and difficult challenges you've had from becoming fathers sleep deprivation absolutely you if you've never experienced weeks or months of inadequate sleep you don't understand how much that can break you <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. That was, was, that was a surprise. I, uh, when I got married, I asked my dad, I'm like, do you have any advice? And he just looked at me, he goes, endure to the end. I was like, endure what? Like what's left? I, I made it. I got married. <laughs> gonna have some kids. And then Ominous. here I am with, you know, yeah. 12 years into having kids and I'm just like, oh, this is exhausting. This is what he's talking about. Like I got however many more years of this, you know, assuming that they even launched, like they might get stuck in my house and never get out of here have to take care of them the rest of my life like i i don't know but yeah endure to the oh end boy 
Yeah, it's a it's an endurance game. It really is. Yeah, no, uh, totally. I I don't know if I was just lucky or if I was just absolute garbage at sleeping before. Um, the 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 sleep deprivation train didn't hit me, but I think that's just because I didn't sleep prior to that much, anyways. So um, too many monster energy drinks. Uh, <laughs> too, among other things, yes. Um, mostly just coffee, but the for me, I guess the. I've always liked having fewer things. Like I, I, I enjoyed living out of a semi truck over the road because everything was consolidated and out of the way. And if there's too much stuff around, I will just start throwing things away. If it's my own stuff with kids, uh, tidiness and cleanliness and, and coordinating, you know, cleaning stuff, becomes you know with two people it's extremely doable with two people and a kid oh it's like one other thing to juggle with two people two adults and two kids it's a you're you are now negotiating with chaos itself um to to you know have some downtime where you are not scrubbing you know crayon off the wall or you know pulling 37 stickers off the tile or you know whatever it is yeah, that's a good point. I I got to add a, a point of uh, surprise that maybe it's because I'm a big softy, but the amount, like the power of the love that you could feel for a person, someone that's outside of yourself, someone that's not your spouse, like this thing that you created. And like my parents always said, you know, you, you know, we love you, you know, but you can never understand how powerful that is until you have your own kids. And it's kind of one of those things that comes back around. You're like, Sure, whatever, love, okay, what, whatever. And then you have a kid, and you're like, "Oh, I'd kill all of you for him." <laughs> <laughs> like the, well, the motivation there is all those evil plans you got to do to to keep your kids yeah, safe. Yeah, I got a book. Like, oh, if this guy does that, he's out. You know. Yeah, yeah. You have the shovel ready. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny how quickly that switch flicks, and you're like, yeah. "Oh yeah, no problem." Yeah, old, old mate next door. Oh, he's gone. And, and one wrong look out of here. It's so funny that you I, I was about to to figure out how I was going to phrase my own disagreement with what you were saying until you said I would kill for them. And I'm like, that's exactly right. That's to yeah. totally correct. And I think it's it's actually a point of and I haven't totally mastered the art of of relating this to my wife, but um, you know, women very much express love in just adoration and just like, oh you're so cute and stuff and they expect other people to express love in that way as well and men's love is is no less intense no less real but it's it's different in like what it's preparing you to do i'm not preparing to feed this child with my body it just doesn't work that way um i will do all kinds of other things though i will jump in front of a car i will you grab a gun and a shovel and a tarp. I will do all kinds of things, you know, to, for this child. But ninety percent of those things you never actually get to to do. Don't have to do is maybe the better way of putting it. But but like and, when and you, I, I would say haven't done for the legal uh, things. Well, naturally, naturally, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, very important. I've have, have absolutely not done, not done. at all. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but but it's that. It's that 
I do think that that's, um, I mean, it's common to a very large number of guys who are not felons, right? Who, who all have this, this same experience of the things I would do to protect the people that I love. And when you don't have the opportunity or the, or the need to protect them, it, it ends up unexpressed. I don't want to say bottled up, but, um, you know, it's very easy for, for wives to look at their husbands and think, you don't love the kids as much as I do, do you? And you're like, oh, you <laughs> I just I haven't had a chance to show I, it. I, I, yeah, yeah I, I literally don't have the means of showing you how wrong you are. I think that comes back to, uh, well, a little bit of like we talked about in the, the group earlier in the week as well with that, that Cam Haynes, you know, men men don't need love as much as they need respect, um, which I think is more of a, an action-oriented feeling or affection or whatever you want to call it. Um, but it also comes back to, you know, being action-oriented and how uh, so many men will say, oh, I take a bullet for my kid or my wife or spouse or whatever. Uh, but how many of them would change their lives and be better for them? Uh, and that's, you know, that's something I get a little bit rankled about because I work in the world of trying to help people be better. Uh, and so people be like, oh, you know, I do anything for my kids. I'm like, so put down the donut. Anything? <laughs> Pick up the weight. Yeah. Go for a walk. Like, be better. Don't just like think about the theoretical like i'd stop a bullet from like you wouldn't be able to get in front of that bullet in your current state be better and that's another way i think that that fathers show love is by being capable you know mm -hmm. in case we do need to make people disappear or whatever happens in the woods stays in the woods exactly well and and, and as josh says i think the cool thing about that is that in, in my own limited experiences with this, um, the best fathering moments have just been me going about doing my own thing. I'm just doing what I normally do, but with the kids around and they're watching and sometimes they want to participate. So I'll be out in the backyard, you know, I'll be lifting weights or, or sunbathing or doing pull-ups and, you know, my daughter will come up and she wants to be on the pull-up bar too. I'm like, okay. So the, Third time we tried this, I lifted her up and set her on. And I was like, now hold on as long as you can. And she recited the whole alphabet. She was a three at the time minus N. So 25 letters instead of 26. But still, you know, she did essentially a 25 second dead hang just because, you know, daddy was doing it too. And they want to do that as well. And my son will be wandering around carrying bricks because I've been recently doing a lot of farmers carry stuff. And uh, they just want to do what you're doing. So if you are taking care of yourself, if you're taking care of the house, if you're um, my wife's always cooking. So my daughter will be cooking with Legos, you know, making soup for everyone or coffee for me because she knows daddy drinks coffee. And they just if you if you live a good life and take care of yourself and take care of things, you're already setting them up on a good path. Um. And so, but as the father, you sort of set the, you sort of set the model for that. Yeah, it's, it's all, it's more, I guess, what emulated, emulative, as opposed to you're not giving and doing things for as much as including and uh, enacting what needs to be done. And then they, they join in. 
Um, and I see that with my son all the time too. And he knows how to use a, a drill and an impact driver better than, than I did until like five years ago, you know, and he's two and a half. <laughs> so I'm like, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I don't think I knew it, it, what an impact driver was until I got my job delivering exercise equipment when I was like 30. So like everybody, <laughs> everybody should have an impact driver. No, they're, the so, they're, they're fantastic pieces of power. Absolutely. <laughs> but it, it, what you were saying is also relevant in the sense that uh, a lot of people, it's really easy to say really dramatic things that, you know, you'll never have to do. And a lot of people, and a lot of people say, you know, like say all kinds of, I mean, mess my dogs. I'll go, John, work on your ass, you know, like, but like, <laughs> and I mean it when I'm thinking it, but that it's probably not going to happen. Like, like I'm probably not going to actually go through and do like this, like, you like, uh, Hey, I don't have to train you to do that anyway, but like, there's not going to be all this like gunplay. If, if something happens to my dogs, there's going to be a lot of me being angry. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and so it's, I think it's easy for a lot of people to say dramatic things that they'll never have to do. But to, to your point, Josh said, actually doing something that they can do every day that creates a positive influence is, is actually kind of harder for a lot of people because it's doing something instead of saying something. Yeah. And it also prepares you in case in the one in a billion up like chance that you might have to do something that is outside the usual, outside the norm. You are at least somewhat prepared for that. I mean, that's, isn't that sort of why most men lift weights or train combat sports yeah. or learn firearms or learn how to hunt is because there's a part of us that just, maybe shit's going to hit the fan and we may have to use this. So we learn it, even though we probably won't. Well, and, and, and also to Jack's point about, you know, Oh, I'm going to do all these horrible things aside from it being kind of an evasion from a, a sort of compensation for the regular things you aren't doing. Um, having kids also forces you to think in much more realistic terms about what you're actually going to do as well, because, you know, as a single guy um, who is only responsible for yourself, you can actually seriously entertain doing some pretty crazy things mm -hmm. um, because it will only hurt yourself usually. Um, but like suppose one of your kids got really badly injured by someone and you did the full thing and you wound up in prison like that. That's going to have a negative effect on your other kids. Now you're not there for them too. Um it forces you to think in, you know, I, well, as a over the road truck driver, I suppose I was kind of technically homeless, but like you could single guys can, can entertain and even go through with crazy risks where it's like, if this doesn't work out, I'll just live on the street or, you know, um, that's a risk I'm willing to take. You can't do that kind of thing, or at least not very responsibly if you have Kid, you know, a spouse and kids that you are responsible for caring for. It forces you to, to think a lot more realistically about what your options are and um, what you can and can't do uh, and say in some situations. I know I was flying a little close to the sun before um, in, in talking about the way that men feel, which I think is true and universal, but in what you can actually do, you hear guys all the time who, you know, before were, were just uh, piss and vinegar. Oh, it's revolt. It's rebellion. And then when they have kids like, I can't do this nonsense. I have, you know, responsibilities that are more important than this crazy idea. 
but even aside from children like that's sort of a natural progression into adulthood to an extent and and passage of time like it was just when you were talking there about being in the trucks like oh yeah like every once in a while i'll look back fondly into my memory bank of these you know months where i was living out of the back of a you know mazda protege in minnesota on the advent of winter and i'm living out of the parking lot of where i was working and going to jujitsu six days a week and showering there and eating cereal and canned goods because it's all that would stay in the car and like ah, those were the days you know <laughs> what there's gonna be a tornado go park under the bridge like uh it just like look back and i'm like that would fucking suck now that would just be the worst but back then it was like yes yeah, it's fine and you know because you have those extra people that you have to really think about and you have to kind of you're responsible for them and i think duty and responsibility are big drivers for for men in particular um so it's just funny i think you know even being if you're you know, say in your, your 40s that scenario would probably sound awful anyway even if you didn't have kids but you know i think that's a bit of a becoming an adult thing as well or just passage of time growing up well and just i think being adult you start to realize uh, young men tend to have really bad assessments of like long-term consequences. Uh, you know, like what's going to happen? Like what, what are the third order effects of what's going to happen? Like, I'm going to do this thing. Did you know what 10 years in prison is going to feel like? <laughs> like, do you know, like, like, do you know, Oh, Oh, actually, well, that guy's just going to sue you and you're not going to have any money for the next 20 years. Uh, like, or, or like all the other things that could go wrong that, that you think about as you're older, because you know, all of the consequences of things. You know, you can't just you know, yeah. like run. You, oh, you're going to run your mouth and blah, 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 blah for this, this, and this. OK, well, here are all the things that are going to happen after that. Uh, yeah. And as an older man, you kind of you've you've seen you've seen your friends go down the wrong road or do the wrong thing or like whatever. And you've seen what actually happens or you're just more aware of like what the consequences of actions are. Uh, Experience. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because you do acquire that. If you're, you know, above a certain intelligence level, just naturally over time. But um, at least for me, I I don't know how much of that, like somewhat romantic and foolhardy passion I would still have if I was single. Um, it, as far as the effects that fatherhood has on you as an individual, as before, you can have this maturity without being a father, uh, without fatherhood. But fatherhood does drag you into that a little bit. A little bit faster and it, it makes men more mature um not perfectly and not all the time but but more often than not i think it's really good just for men generally to have structure and responsibilities uh most men i mean there are a lot of men who just don't know what to do with themselves like I, uh, that's actually most guys they they don't know what to do with themselves like like i was i'm a very creative person obviously like i always say that like i can't actually get bored I like there's so many things that I should be doing. I, I can I can procrastinate, but there there are so many things that I could potentially do that I will never run out of things to do. But for a lot of people, they don't have that. And a lot of guys, they need some structure and responsibility and a place to go and a purpose and a thing to do. And kids provide that. Like a kid in a family provides that, like I need to be home by X amount of time. I can't just sit at the bar all night. I I, I knew guys who used to get a girlfriend specifically to keep them out of bars. Yeah, you know, like because otherwise they would just be on the bar getting in trouble and like and all kinds of stuff because they don't know what to do with themselves. 
you know, like they, they, they don't know. Whereas like once you have kids like that goes away for a lot of people because they, well, you can't do that because there are these little people that depend on you that are right there. You can't just be a mess. <laughs> you know, like you have to figure it out, you know, and some people are still messes, but like, it seems like for a lot of guys, it's really, you know, I don't want to be say civilizing in a bad way, but like, it, it's a very, uh, uh, civilizing thing and it, where it's very, um, you know, productive thing. It forces them to be more productive and more focused and not just like spin their wheels. Cause that's what a lot of guys will just do. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Not not saying like therapy is the reason that you should become a father, but it definitely has that effect or can. Yeah. If you're well, just not even therapy, but just responsibility because men, men need responsibilities. It's in the way that you like, uh, you know, people always tell me that I raised my dogs wrong and they're right. Uh, but that, 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 <laughs> that, you know, like they, they, you, you need to give a dog something to do. It has to have a job. It has to have like things to do and whatever. Um, because that's what it's made to do. Men are kind of made to have a job. And if they don't have a job, then they just, they're like, well, yeah, they're just a mess. Yeah, uh, it's and, chaos. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Most, most guys really need that. Well, um, as far as, as far as men go, maybe, maybe responsibility is more therapeutic than therapy, which is closer to torture than, uh, <laughs> problem. That's else. actually a really interesting phrase to say. Uh, that would, I can imagine the therapist that would be horrified by that because, you know, it threatens their income, but like they, they, the, uh, conversation. They, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that, I think that's real. <laughs> I think that's real for a lot of they, that that'll fix a lot of problems, a place to go and a thing to do. will fix all that's why, that's why a lot of young guys join the army. Or like whether they join the military, they need they need to be told when to get up, told when to go to bed. Da, 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 da. This is this is what you do, and then it gives them a place to advance in life, like it through a very methodical way. Uh, yeah, you know, so I think them, it's very positive. Yeah, it gives them meaning and purpose. There was someone, it wasn't Jordan Peterson, but it was someone else who was telling a story about. No, it was Cameron Haynes, in fact, talking about um, a bunch of men who were in some ward. They were like catatonic. They were they were psychologically damaged for whatever reason uh, when when the bombing happened when the yeah. germans bombed london and these men who had been unresponsive and not speaking literally came out of their cells to go and find and became functional again in the face of danger because now they had a responsibility to their city um if that isn't you know therapy for men in action i don't know what is that's such a mind-blowing story like i remember it must have been a clip that went around this last week or so uh and hearing that and i was just like like wow and i mean there's there's good and maybe not so good that can be taken out of that i don't know if you guys have seen watchmen uh but the idea of <laughs> something out there for people to put their effort against also creates drive and and purpose and unity and you know something that big like everybody'd have to step up and that's kind of the uh the preppers you know wet dream sitting there going like one day something's gonna happen and i'm gonna have to step up so now i've got 10 years worth of food in my basement um because people are looking for that. like men are looking for something like even if they can't have actual responsibility and structure they're looking for a fantastical or you know imaginary potential for that to happen Mm -hmm. totally but but even without you know your city being literally bombed you know for most men 
I think seeing, you know, a small, helpless little person who's also a part of you, like that's that's responsibility enough. You know, no dire threat to the country or to your city, no, you know, axe murderer chasing down helpless people, but just this small helpless person, that's that's enough to to get you some that that sense of responsibility and obligation that drives men to to action. Yeah, well, so many, I mean, if you guys have watched my AMAs, uh, what I do with them on Instagram, literally every time I get like two or three guys who are coming in with like, how do I find meaning and purpose in life? Uh, it is a huge question that I get have, all have the children. time. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what you're like, because that'll be, there, there you go. You'll have a whole bunch of problems that are created for you to solve, right? Perfect. <laughs> you know, like they're going to have things to do, you know? Uh, yeah, well, that really is an answer for a lot of people. It's kind of a flippant answer, but it's not wrong. Uh, you know, it, it's like, well, if they have a kid, they'll figure some stuff out. Uh, you know, like they won't have all this. Well, I mean, that's the that's the thing about like modern the modern world. I mean, yeah, with you know, psychotherapy is a new thing uh, because people had enough time to sit around and navel gaze and wonder about like their feelings and and whatever. Whereas, like you know, if, you know. Previously, you'd be a dad with like seven kids uh, working a farm and uh, you didn't sit around and think about like, yeah, what am I? Who am I? And how do I feel? You know, like <laughs> there wasn't yeah. what was happening, you know? Well, the, the, the question, how do I find meaning in life mm -hmm. comes from a very self-conscious place and you have to have time to be thinking in that way. And it's a product of a lot of dwelling on yourself to ask that question in a, in a, persistent manner assuming someone isn't just thinking oh i want to ask jack a question um but with kids you don't have that time <laughs> your attention is already being drawn to other places you are being drawn out of yourself in that in that place of dwelling on what is my purpose what am i even doing with my life it's like oh no we need to do the dishes and we need to clean the floors and after a while you develop a system where things are actually relatively stable relatively clean ish and things are working and the kids are happy and the wife is happy and you're like this is great and there's no self-consciousness in there until that moment of oh we're making it work which is uh and at that point what is my meaning in life is a it's like not a question that arises well you have to live yeah, so much in the moment you know it's all those things are happening around you and you have to be like right here present now to make sure that it all stays functioning and and in order so you don't even get that chance that's just meditation isn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> are you saying that fatherhood creates mindfulness is that way? <laughs> the, the other way of putting that is that mindfulness is what guys who aren't fathers do to compensate <laughs> Ooh, that's a good take yeah, uh, yeah i was just sure. thinking of that question that you get asked jack and of course you know if we could say i'll just be a dad like go go make kids be a dad but mm -hmm. i think everybody that i've even recommended that to or mentioned that to who isn't already in some sort of long-term relationship you know they, they're like i'm not ready and i know i know people and they're like 30s they're like oh, i'm not ready yet i'm kind of like <laughs> no <bro."> one's ready <laughs> never be ready no Although I would, I will say that like my wife and I, we, we did put it off for a number of years specifically because we're like, well, there's a lot of stuff we want to do a lot of places we want to go. 
and we kind of have this timeline. So we need to go do those things now, live abroad, travel, study, that kind of stuff so that we can then just be like, okay, cool. We've got stuff. We've done stuff. We've got, for me, a big thing was I wanted to have stories and life experience to teach my children. And, you know, I, I see like people who have kids young and like there's pros to that. Um, obviously being young is useful when it comes to dealing with children. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, but what can they, what can they teach? What stories can they tell? If they've never, you know, left their hometown. If they've just got out of high school and they just have kids and like, that's it, that's what they do. And then they live that American dream where you just work until you're 65, retire, and then you get to live. Right. And that's from the get go for me was like, that ain't going to fly. And so I went out and I tried to find experience so that I had something to teach specifically because I wanted to have something to teach to tell my kids. Um, but at the same time, it's never enough. You know, you're never still like ready, ready. So this, this begs a question that because, because there, there's a piece of this puzzle that's uh, missing in order for this to get from a to, to C, I guess the C being children. Uh, that's, that was convenient. I didn't plan that. That was good. Uh, but <laughs> the C being children, uh, there, there's a, there's a woman that has to happen in their middle, which I think is what a lot of the men I, are, are struggling with. Um, and I'll add something that I just, I think is good advice that I gave so, someone to, uh, uh, a young friend of mine. <laughs> Listen, broad children, <laughs> but, uh, good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, as far as the advice goes, but I'm really going to ask you guys, what do you think, um, what are some of the good qualities that you think you did picked right in, uh, finding a, a woman? Um, <laughs> and I know that that's not the one, cause there are a lot of like psychotic strippers that have those. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, I mean, one of the thing, honestly, I heard the other day, and this is not to be a mother, but just to be someone, I feel like I did this in my own life. And I heard someone say it as far as picking a wife. And I think it's just generally uh, is that uh, uh, pick someone cheerful. Pe there's people who have cheerful dispositions and people who don't. And uh, uh, I heard somebody give that advice to a young man. And I, a friend of mine, I was having lunch with him the other day. And I was like, you know, that's what's kind of worked out for me. Because the, the guy I live with, like, you know out in the kitchen, washing dishes, like, do, 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 do. Like, I, you know, like you can't be mad at that. <laughs> you know, like you can't be, can't be like, Oh, my life is miserable. You know, it's just, and I think, you know, like a lot of guys who've had a good luck, if they, you know, picked a woman that is, is cheerful, you know, like that is, has, wants to be happy because some people don't want to be happy. And then that's a problem. But what are some of the qualities that you think, you know, made you decide like, Hey, this is a, this is a good person or were you looking for whatever to actually have a family with? Cause that's the, that's the, you know, broad that comes before children that you need, you need that uh, piece of the puzzle. Cause that's what a lot of guys, I mean, you ask them like, Hey, you need responsibilities, go have kids with who, you know, like is a big question, you know? So uh, maybe speak to that a little bit. Well, not to be too obvious, but someone that loves kids, I mean, Hopefully you dated them long enough or with them long enough to see them with kids. They want to be around kids. They want their own kids. Cause I have friends that have wives that they hate their own kids. And it's like, well, they hated kids before. So why, why try to start a family with that person? You know, for sure. Yeah. Legit. 
Uh, honestly, I think that's such a big thing. To make a, a really long story short, like I've been with my wife for almost 15 years now, we met in a hostel in Scotland. Uh, we were both backpackers. So it's like, it's just kind of, we just happened to meet out backpacking. But it, I kind of just knew because like for me, like if you're looking at having a life with someone, they have to have the same ideals, the same interests and a same potential for the future. And, and I've always wanted to have kids eventually, you know, and that sort of nourishing, like nur nurturing motherly uh, interest in children. And like, that's so essential, I think, to, to finding a mother for your future children. Like, obviously, you have to be compatible in other ways, and you have to find them attractive to even talk to them. But like, when you find someone who's like, like, off the bat, I'm like, oh, you would be a wonderful mother. Not only do I find you attractive, not only do I want to do all the fun stuff with you, but like, oh, like you're worth investing in. And understanding that that process, building a real relationship, creating a family takes effort and work. Most people just bail. Like, yeah, you're a good investment, but eh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of fish in the sea kind of thing. It's like just no invest in the good things that you find. And so I moved to, that's why I moved to Australia, you know, from the, from the U S and so having someone that has that potential along with those, those common interests, spend the time investing and building the relationship instead of just expecting it to be like, cool. Perfect. It's like a fairy tale. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, totally. Um, I agree with both of those. The, the thing I would add is, um, I mean, when I think about the the other, you know, marriage relationships I know in my personal life, there isn't really one rule that describes all of them, except all the ones that work. The couple like each other. And, you know, as far as being a good parent, kids are sponges. They pick up if their parents hate each other. They'll pick up if the parents kind of are just tolerating each other and don't communicate. The, the most important thing is to find someone who clicks with you and who you know who they who likes you and who you like um, anyone who knows me will probably find it the least surprising thing in the world to know that i met my wife at debate club in college um <laughs> that really so, sounds like it shouldn't work but go ahead. <laughs> it, 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 it's uh yeah well it <laughs> i guess you could take it either way but it's worked out so far you know um and the downside to that is you have high odds of ending up with, you know, young daughters who do not stop talking ever. <laughs> but, you know, small price to pay. Hopefully it becomes more sensible as they get older. It's um, but yeah, if you if you like each other enough to be able to speak directly and honestly with each other, because so many problems with both parenting and with relationships it's one of those cliches we started talking about at the beginning comes down to communication um comes down to not being direct and sincere and upfront with each other um you know that that can solve almost any problem chris can i ask a quick question with your meeting of your wife and your proposal were you just when you proposed you're just like present me with a good argument why you shouldn't marry me <laughs> <laughs> I should have. I should have done that. I should have done that. 
<laughs> Missed opportunity, man. <laughs> what if she would have won? <laughs> then it wasn't meant to be. I guess right. not. Yeah. Well, who, who's taking which side in that debate becomes the real question. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it does seem like there's also a thing that people go through where, um, like you said, you have to invest in it. And I think that that's people have, uh, uh, they don't realize that because I used to call it being very California uh, just because I lived there for a while. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you live in a place like Los Angeles, there's an infinite number of possibilities. So, and you'd see it, I, it's also kind of a Seinfeld thing too. Like, you're like, it was kind of a joke on that show for a long time. Like, there would just be something, It'd be any random thing. It'd be like, I don't know if I like this thing that they do one time, you know, and then they'd like fixate on it. And I'm like, ah, that's not the one. And, uh, you know, they'd, they'd find some little reason to exchange it out for the next person. And, uh, you know, obviously, if you're going to invest in something, you kind of have to decide like this is. There's going to be some little annoying things. There's going to be this and that, but you have to be like the big picture and invest in the big picture and not just constantly looking for the next thing to trade out to, which seemed yeah. to me at the time when I was you know younger, it seemed to be like the, the LA thing. Like you're just, just going to upgrade, you're just going to upgrade. You get bored and you just upgrade. And that's, you know, but obviously you can't have any kind of stability in life if you do that. Yeah. And you're missing out on, on the, the deeper kind of enjoyment that comes from commitment. Um, as my wife has become fond of saying, you can't play test commitment. And, you know, the, the, the fun of your late teens, early twenties, where every guy has had the experience of believing that they're in love. And then it's like all the, all the older guys in their life just laugh at them when they get their heart broken. And it's like the cruelest thing ever, but it's also the most necessary thing. Cause then the, that guy who hates all their friends for several months, you know, they meet someone and they're actually with them for years and they develop a, a, a like a deep kind of knowledge um that they that their partner has of them too and it's so it's you, you can't have even imagined that you know but you can't get there through through some superficial evaluation of like a checklist right. uh, you, you can't say oh like this person doesn't like sushi so like they're clearly off the off the list right Right, for sure. It's it's yeah. But. Yeah, that's early days stuff. Like once like you just need the, the initial attraction and then you you have to you have to deep dive to you have to learn each other and it's it's study almost. Like you're you're learning another person, they're learning you, and then together you're creating something completely different. And if you don't get to that stage where you're becoming sort of your own little entity, mm. you know, you'll just you'll never find someone if you can't at least work up to that point. Yeah. You know, that takes and, investment and effort. And negotiation too, which is playtesting for kids because kids needs are very concrete and some of your time will go away to do things that they need. And you'll be like, well, I had wanted to read this book, but I guess I'm making paper airplanes for the next hour and a half. That's kind of fun too. <laughs> so, you know, we'll do that. Oh, that's, time. that's one of the best parts is like re, enjoying very simple things that are incredibly new to them and you being like oh shit yeah this is cool i forgot about that and they're like check out this leaf this is the most amazing thing i've ever seen i'm like that is a cool leaf 
and just absolutely re-experiencing life. Like it's it's kind of like a second a second childhood, but now you get to look at it with adult eyes and be like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. And also stop knocking over my Lego structure, kid. They always do that. <laughs> We're building shit. And then he's like, haha, knocked yours over. I'm like, I just spent 10 minutes building this. What are you doing? <laughs> No, seriously, that is like one of the best parts. Not the knocking <laughs> yeah. it over, but like that's just oh, that's funny too. Yeah, well, that's because you have to go spank it's their good. mom again when they do it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> What's this for? Don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. That's fantastic. Well, before we get too far, and we've actually already hit an hour, but uh, uh, but this has been really good. And I think what everybody was kind of hoping it would be, um, I guess I should wrap up a little serious and say, like, what are some of the biggest values that you're trying to share? Uh, to be honest, you know, obviously we're in a different context or we're doing this with the uh, in the context of our group and, and, and so forth. And, you know, here's so many people are like, you can't, nobody has morality, morality without the Bible. And you have, you know, when he has, you know, any good messages, you know, people like, as if people were just like, just beating the shit out of their kids and just being horrible people for the rest of human history. Uh, you know, which of course it didn't care about their kids, whatever, which is of course not true. Um, but like, what are the, some of the messages that I think that are important to you that you're trying to like, send down the chain um i guess i'll go first mm -hmm. I, I would i would say i i, I mean there, there's a, an infinite list and all of them are going to be relevant to different people but for me it's been it's been care care for the stuff around you care for your own body and space um you know our daughter just you know was roiling around and fell off the couch and ripped a cable out of our our sound system and broke it and um you know we didn't punish her or anything we just kind of forced her to acknowledge what had happened and said you got to be more careful with these things and when it finally dawned on her that she'd actually broken the sound system for the tv she was crying inconsolably for like five minutes which we didn't want to happen and she went back to roiling around after that but like the the uh, their position just being aware of what's around them and that's kind of situational awareness is in many ways like the line that separates kids from adults i, I mean that that line that awareness becomes more abstract in into time and further out beyond just 10 feet into you know my country my broader community and so forth but um the just the thoughtlessness of children is simultaneously what makes them so charming and fun and goofy to to play with but also it's what causes them to hurt each other and themselves and um and uh teaching that has been a challenge and it like seeing it brings up your own like oh shoot i wasn't aware that our dishwasher needs to be cleaned or that you know your your own failures of of situational awareness too so that, that kind of awareness has been a big theme cool 
that's awesome. I actually really, really like the wording of that and how you're going about that. Um, two, two big ones for me are capability and resilience. My kid's two and a half, you know, like complex things are tricky. Like we try to make sure he's actually uh, care for, for environments really big because he, my wife runs a bush school and bush play group. And so like not just killing all the bugs he finds and things like that uh, is a, is a big thing. Uh, but capability, like just because he's been spending basically the majority of his waking hours outside since he was born, like his ability to use his body to climb and crawl and pick up and throw. And he was climbing over rocks and logs before he could walk. Uh, and just like that, that being a capable person interacting with your environment is such a rarity these days. It becomes a specialized sport with like move nat and animal flow and stuff like that. But like people being capable of just manipulating the environment around them is, is rare. And especially in kids, they just sit all day. And so that's been a really big thing for, for us. Uh, and it's just awesome to see, just so cool to see them, like just put them out in the bush anywhere and he'll just run off and climb a tree and flip over some logs and look for scorpions and shit. Wild kid. But then the other side of that is resilience because he has to survive that. And so just being like totally aware that he's got to be covered in scratches and bruises if he chooses to do this. And he's okay with that. Be like, yep, brush it off, brushes his little knees off and gets up. And sure, there's a bit of blood and a scratch. And maybe we slap a leaf on that. But just like resilience and capability are just important things with how we want to live our lives as well. But like things that we're trying to instill with him at this this young age. Awesome. awesome. I'd, say, I'd say for us, oh. yeah, I'd say for us, we're doing a lot of, uh, lately it's been like a lot of decision-making skills. Um, you know, if you make this type of decision, this is kind of the road you go down. This is where you end up. And, you know, if you make a better decision, you know, whether it's with their, with, uh, you know, right now they're doing a lot of sports. So we're doing a lot of health type stuff, a lot of, you know, what does it take to be that next tier of player? Um, cause they both play competitive soccer and, uh, the end one of them does basketball as well. And so it's like, we're doing a lot of like, you know, respect for the sport, respect for your teammates and, and just building through that. Um, you know, and then the same thing off that respect thing, I'm raising daughters respect for themselves, you know, like eventually I'm not always going to be there. Dad's not going to be there to, 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 you know, do those extreme things or whatever it takes to keep them safe or keep them on a, on a good path. You know, they got to make decisions for themselves and eventually align themselves with, a, you know, a, a partner that'll help them get there to, to reach the, whatever goals it is that they have. And so that's kind of, you know, decision-making respect. That's been our thing lately. Nice. Nice. That's one of the things I always, I get little tidbits about what my sisters do. Cause my sisters are now, uh, they're still only a few years younger than me. So my sisters have kids that are going to college. <laughs> so, uh, uh, they've gone through the whole cycle. I remember one of the things my sister Kelly always used to say, um, Cause she's, she's kind of in health. She runs marathons and stuff like that. She, she's on that kind of train. And she's like, I don't tell them what they can't eat and what they can't eat. I tell them what good decisions are and what bad decisions are. <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. kind of like, like you can make whatever decision you want, but this is the good decision. This is the bad, this is what's good for you. That's what's bad for you. And kind of like, you know, it kind of tries to guide them in that general direction rather than everything being a no or a yes. Right. But like you could have that. It's kind of gross. You shouldn't do it. 
but you know, like, you know, just kind of like sending them down that path, which I always thought was kind of a, a good way to handle that. Well, and it's funny too, because when they get to that point and they're like, I know this is terrible for me, but I don't care. And then they eat it anyway. And you're like, well, it's your decision. We talked about it, you know, so. Right. And then they've been primed. So then, so then when they experience that negative uh, experience later on, they know exactly why. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Cool, guys. Well, this is this has been a really good conversation. I think that we'll probably end up doing it again at some point because we do have a lot of, uh, a, a, you know, obviously people don't know a lot of the guys who are in the Order of Fire, but uh, like half the guys or more are all dads. And uh, a bunch of them came up with questions for this group, you know, for this podcast. And I think there'll be some more of it, uh, you know, so, you know, we like to go back and forth between, you know, discussing you know, the finer points of uh, uh, the Rig Veda and, uh, <laughs> and Homer and stuff like that uh, to the things that actually are, you know, present in, uh, you know, everyday life that we all actually deal with and the challenge that everybody has. And, you know, you can't really talk about uh, the father archetype without actually, you know, actually dealing with what the nuts and bolts of the actual father job is the, 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 you know, not the super high one on the, on the mountain, but the, uh, the one that actually has to like raise kids, <laughs> you know? So it's good to actually like, uh, you know, to take that apart and really get into that a little bit. And I thank you guys for, uh, you know, joining me on this and, and digging into that for the first time. So awesome guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. All right. That was, this was fantastic. So stay solar. Stay solar. Pater is the cultural arm of the Order of Fire. For more, visit ph2t3r.com. <laughs>